I'm going to talk to you about a subject. We've got a two-week mini-series. Pastor Brad doing a two-week mini-series. Can you even believe that's going to happen? It's going to have to because then we have a two-week series after this one where Pastor Beth is going to be talking about shame and breaking shame off of God's sons and God's daughters. So we've got to be ready for that. So this two-week mini-series, it's on uh, the Spirit and Scripture. The Spirit and Scripture. And when I say mini-series, there's no way we can cover this whole subject, but I want to give us some stuff that I really believe that we need for our lives today. We are a church that believes in the freedom of the Holy Spirit, and I am grateful for that. Uh, we make space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. We want to honor the Lord in worship. We want the Holy Spirit to be here. We like to say the divine guest. He's the guest of honor. I'm honored that all of us are here, but I'm even more honored that he would be here. So we want him to be the divine guest. But we also want to be a people of the, uh, people of the Scripture, a people of God's Word. You've heard it said before that the, that the love of God and the power of God are almost like two sides of the same coin, right? That, that the love of God is so many times demonstrated in the power of God. And the power of God was revealed in the love of God. I also want to be a person that acknowledges and recognizes that the Holy Spirit flows through the gifts that He gives, but the Holy Spirit also flows through the Word that He already gave. I, I want to be a, if you don't mind me saying it this way, once again, kind of envision that you're looking at the edge of a coin. I'm holding a large coin in front of you. I want to be a man of the Spirit, but I also want to be a man of the Scripture. I want these things to be a part of my life. And I dare say, I don't know if that's the right way to lead into this, but I dare say people that are people of the Scripture are more foundational they're going to be stronger when winds of heresy blow through our culture. When winds of confusion come into your family. Uh, I love being led of the Spirit, feeling Him, sensing Him, knowing that He's speaking to my heart. But I'll, I'll be real with you. The Holy Spirit is never going to speak something into my heart that contradicts what He's already written in the Scriptures. If it doesn't line up with the Scripture, then it's not really from the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't mean it had to be a scripture. The Lord could speak something to me that wasn't a scripture, but it's not going to contradict a scripture. I'm going to be able to find and go, man, the, the Lord's in this because this just validates what His Word is already communicating. Now, I, hopefully my mom's not watching on, on uh, live stream because I, I love telling stories about my mom, and I've cut back since we've been on live stream, but every once in a while, you just have to tell one. And many of you know, and those of you that, that haven't known me as long, um, my dad passed away, it'll be four years ago, um, and my dad had muscular dystrophy, and if you've read anything about that disease, it's as bad as everything you've read. In the last few years of his life, they were really difficult. And when you have muscular dystrophy, and my dad was overweight, I, it's, it, you know, there's no reason to hide it, he was overweight, and when your muscles aren't working anyway and then you have extra weight on your body, it makes it even more difficult. And so the last few years my, of his life, my mom was really, she wasn't just a wife, she was also a caretaker and really did a lot for my dad. And one of the ways that my mom chose to communicate with our family and with her friends was through Facebook. And 
she would kind of give updates on Facebook, and if something bad happened, she would put it on Facebook. And I know people have different perspectives as to whether we should use it for that or not, but it was her way of staying in communication with everybody about dad. And I remember there were times I would get up and I would, I would you know, open it up because I always had her, I had her on my notifications. I finally, I had to silence her. I couldn't take it, but um, I had her on my... I did not do that. That was a joke. Never turn your mom off on the notifications. Don't ever do that. Okay, don't ever, ever do that, okay? Um, but I would take a look at it and in the morning, and I'd see, oh, man, you know, mom shared something. And there were some really tough moments. You know, his, the, before he was in the wheelchair, the legs weren't working well, and his feet weren't working well. And I remember reading an update one time that, you know, hey, friends, Facebook, I think she would say Facebook friends. Hey, Facebook friends. Bob fell today on the garage floor, hit his head, bleeding out of his ear on our way to emergency room, LOL. I was like, man, she is harsh. You know, she's harsh. And then, then there would be, you know, an update. Bob did not sleep well last night, tried to help get him out of bed, horrible stomach pain, struggling with vitiligo, looks like he's not getting out of bed today, LOL, or, or what is, vitiligo, vertigo, vertigo. I too am, I too am struggling. He looks like he's got vertigo, he's not getting out of bed today, LOL. And after about the 27th post, because how many know you kind of wait to see if people are going to correct it, right? No need to rush into anything. After about the 27th post, I, I called mom, I said, hey mom, I, I appreciate that you're sharing everything on Facebook and bringing everybody in to pray for dad and stuff. I'm like, just, I'm a little confused. I go, what, what does LOL mean? And she goes, it means lots of love. Now, think about this from her perspective. She's reaching out to her friends and family. Bob fell, bleeding out of his ear. Please pray for us. Lots of love. That makes sense. How do you know that's the, she's the only person that thought LOL <laughs> meant lots of love? What does it mean? Laugh out loud. My husband busted his head. <laughs> Not getting out of bed today, <laughs> right? I mean, it sends a completely different message out there. Her heart was in the right place, but the text was off, right? It really, it's just a simple reminder. We are in a feel-good movement within the church right now. We are. And it's okay to feel good. I would rather feel good than feel bad. How about you? Feeling good is not a bad thing. But also, sometimes when we're challenged from scriptures that don't make us feel good, we reject them because it didn't feel good. When really the Lord's not as much into my feeling as he is into the truth revelation, so that I'm walking according to what his word says and how his spirit leads in my life. We're in a world right now where because everybody is saying that God is love, they don't believe that there's ever judgment. And I want you to know, God still hates sin, and he still hates evil, and he still hates what injustice does to the lives of people. And if we act like God is only grace, we're not really having an understanding of who God is. I am so grateful that there are times I hear the Holy Spirit just speak to me about something that I need to do. I'm also grateful that there are times I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to dig into the word he's already given so I can discover what I need to do. 
Because he wants my head involved in this relationship, and he wants my heart involved in this relationship. And the challenge is, there are some people that love the, I've got my brain in it and my intellect in it, and they've seemed to lose the relational side and the enjoyment and the, and the, the emotion of their relationship with God. You've got others that, man, they love the emotion, and we'll sing all day, and we'll fall down, and we'll do the whole bit. But, oh my goodness, to dig into the scriptures, to study, to show ourselves approved... That seems a little challenging. We want to be a people of the Spirit, and we want to be a people of the Scripture. Um, One thing that I've learned in my life is I can't always trust my discernment. There are times it's right. There are times it's wrong. I, I can't always trust that somebody has my best intentions at heart. My wife, we've been married for, I don't know, 85 years. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. We're looking good. We've been married for 85 years. We're looking really good. There are times that she'll say, I'll come and I'll tell her about a conversation that I had, and she'll say, hey, they don't have your best interest at heart. I'm like, well, it was a great conversation. She said, listen, this is, I'll just be in real with you. I'm bringing you into our world. She'll say, you're projecting your heart on them. He's like, you have a heart for the Lord. You have a heart for freedom. They don't have the same heart. You're putting your heart on them, and you're not reading that situation correctly. Have you, how many of you have completely misread a situation before? Okay. Let me encourage you. You're going to do it again. You're going to do it again. You're going you're gonna to miss it again. That's why we can't just go by the Spirit directing our feelings and the Spirit directing our emotions, we have to have the validity of God's Word in every moment in our lives so that we have scriptural to, uh, backing and Scripture to stand on. Let's say it this way, that, that the, the Scripture's the rock that I stand on so that when the waves are coming into my life, I've got a solid foundation no matter what I'm facing. I've got to stand on His Word. God's Word even says, study to show yourself approved, a workman, who correctly handles the word of truth. So with all that said, I want to share a couple of things with you. We're going to use the opening verse this service, John, that I did not use in the first service. And because actually I'm going to, I'm going to teach on this part more next week. But Matthew twenty two twenty nine, 29, Jesus is speaking to a group of churchgoers. Uh, a re- actually, religious leaders, specifically the Sadducees. And he says to them, you're in error because you do not know the scriptures or the power of God. Now, I'm going to go through all of this this week, but for this, or next week, but for this moment, what I want us to understand is even people that are in positions of teaching the scripture can be in error with them. He says to these leaders, you're in error. You, not only do you not know the scriptures, You don't know the power of God because the scriptures testify to the power of God and the power of God validates the scriptures. Listen, I don't want to go to a church that's made the power of God impotent. That they just teach a historical book and they give me some, here's your one, two, three, four, so that your week's better. I want a a church that will lead me into an encounter with truth and lead me into an encounter with the power of God so that I can have more heaven on earth. I want both. And Jesus says, there are times that people just miss it because they don't know the scriptures. 
and because they don't know the power of God. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll see how quickly we can go through these because I have way too many for one service. And actually, I'm gonna, I start with verse 13, but as I'm thinking about it, I'm going to quote verse 12 just so you can have it. This was Paul's last letter to Timothy. Paul was in a Roman dungeon at the time. Uh, what was he in there for? It's a great quote, embezzlement. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. Paul had been embezzling from churches for years. No, he was in prison because he was proclaiming that there was another emperor, and his name was Jesus. There, you know that the Romans believed that the emperor became deity. And so Paul was proclaiming that there was a deity that was higher, and his name was Jesus. And when you think you're God, you don't like that, so you arrest people. So Paul was arrested for preaching that there was a higher deity, and his name is Jesus. Um, Timothy was pastoring the church in Ephesus. Well, let me give you, verse 12, it says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. How do you love the promises of God? But let me, yeah, let me share that one with you one more time. Verse 12. I didn't put it on here. I don't want you to have to see it. We want to dodge it. But I'll at least share it with you. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Everybody just say, thank you, Lord. Get to participate in the sufferings of Jesus. While evil men and imposters go from bad to worse deceiving and being deceived. I'm, I'm not being a naysayer, but does it seem like the world's not necessarily getting better? Evil men and imposters, does it seem like the church world's not necessarily getting better? Evil men and imposters go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, remember he's writing Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Did that get most of it? All right, let me give you a little background here. Paul had a couple of sons in the faith. One was Timothy, one was Titus that were very dear to his heart. Paul had been used in the city of Ephesus for one of the greatest revivals they'd ever had. Um, when God's presence moved into Ephesus, people that were sorcerers, practicing black magic, they brought their, they brought their, uh, their books and their study material, their scrolls on sorcery. They brought it into the city center and they burned it up. Uh, their household idols, they melted those idols down. They're like, we don't need sorcery anymore. How many know that once you have an encounter with the real spirit, you don't need the counterfeit spirit? We don't need this stuff anymore. We don't need idols anymore. We're not worshiping anything that we've carved with our own hands. We're worshiping the one that carved us in his hands. Come on, somebody. Right? That's who we're worshiping. They burned all this stuff. The city was having a revival. Now, I love this verse. I've shared it with you before, and I'll probably reshare it once a year until the day I die, okay? Because I love this one. It was in Ephesus that God's word said, God did, are you ready? Extraordinary miracles. Isn't that great? What's an ordinary miracle? Just put your mind around that. 
Hey, yeah, we have leper's heal. Oh, that's an ordinary miracle. We had blind eyes open last night. Ordinary miracle. Guy came in with a cane. We prayed for him. He was completely healed. Ordinary miracle. But in Ephesus, extraordinary miracles. What, what would cause God to use Luke, who wrote the book of Acts and recorded that extraordinary miracles happened in Ephesus? What kind of miracles were happening there that they were extraordinary? I remember reading about an extraordinary miracle that took place in our country a few years ago. No, it's not the Joyce Smith story. I'm tired of it, okay? I'm, I'm not tired of it. I'm not tired of it. It's not that. It, but it's not that one. It might be one you've never heard. A guy named Todd Bentley. If you've ever read anything about Todd Bentley, I don't agree with all his theology. He probably wouldn't agree with all mine either. But you know what he has? A gift of healing and believing for signs and wonders to take place in the name of Jesus. A guy came forward to be prayed for because he was blind in his left eye and he wanted to be able to see. You're like, well, Pastor Brad, that's an ordinary miracle. Wait, let me finish the story. He came forward. He's prayed for because he wants his sight restored in his eye. And as Todd is praying for him, the guy begins to, they, they cover up his right eye and he's looking, he begins to see shadows and he begins to see images and he starts calling out things that he's seeing because God's restoring the sight. Well, Pastor Brad, it's an ordinary miracle. Not when you find out it was a glass eye. He went to the front to be prayed for. He was missing an eye. So he had a glass eye in. They start praying for him. He didn't even pop the eye out. They're praying for him. The dude starts seeing through a glass eye. Pastor Brad, that's impossible. Are you kidding me? In Christ Jesus, all things are popsicles. There is nothing impossible when you begin to pray in the name of Jesus. And in my opinion, that is an extraordinary miracle. Blind eye open, fine. Glass eye with visibility, come on somebody. Now I'm practical with imagination. I begin to think, that's the guy I want on my security team. Hey, there's something going on on the other side of that wall. We need somebody to stick their head around the corner. I don't have to stick my head around the corner. <laughs> Everything's fine. That's just, the, that's just the Jacob kids playing in the water fountain. You don't even need to worry about that. Yeah, pop that thing back in. We got a job for a guy that can see out of a glass eye. Right? Come on. If hailstorm comes through. Hey, honey, you need to climb up on the roof. I think we had some hell damage. I'll take care of it, babe. Everything looks fine, sweetheart. We might have one shingle. Call Ben Thornton. He can help us out with that. <laughs> Everything's fine. How do you know if you can see out of a glass eye? That's an extraordinary miracle. We got to let our imaginations go a little bit every once in a while, church. There is nothing he can't do. What did he do? What was so extraordinary about Ephesus? Well, the city got saved. Sorcerers burned all their sorcery material. Alexander, the metal worker that had been fashioning idols for years, went, uh-oh, I lost my business. All these people are getting saved. You know what I better do? Stir up a controversy and get Paul out of this town because I'm not going to be able to feed my family with my idolatry prophets any longer. That's an extraordinary miracle. What does that have to do with Timothy? Well, Timothy was left to pastor that church. Church of crazy people. 
that had experienced the signs and wonders of God, that had seen their city respond. That, and, and now you're to lead this church after being a people of the Spirit and a people of the Scripture. How many you know that sometimes when people have had such an encounter with the, with the Spirit, they don't even want to have your interpretation of Scripture? Paul's like, Timothy, you got you to give these people some direction. And by the way, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be what? Persecuted. How you know sometimes the persecution comes from within the family, not from outside the family? Timothy, as you're leading this church after righteousness, not everybody's going to like that. You might even have a, people, uh, speak, a few people speak against you. Parents, how many of you realize your job's to parent, not to friend? We're going to get to be a friend if we parent right. If we parent correctly, we're going to get to be friends. But right now, it's not about friendship, it's about parenthood and guiding, and covering, and protecting, and directing, and all those things that parents do. And, and Paul, is, Paul is telling Timothy, listen, you're, you're going to be persecuted for this, and here's how I know. Evil men and imposters are going to go from bad to worse, and they're going to deceive because they've been deceived. We've said it here for years, hurting people, but deceived people deceive people. And I don't want to be angry at people that are in deception, I don't even want to be angry at people that are in deception that are passing their deception along to somebody else. I want to reach out to them and see if there's a hope to help the deceived person have their eyes open to the truth. Now, if they see the truth and they partner with deception, now we've got a different subject to talk about. But if they're deceived and they're responding because they've been deceived, I just want them liberated because there was a time in my life I was deceived. I was trapped in sin. I was trapped in bondage. I needed the Holy Spirit to set me free. And thank God other people prayed, interceded, and worked in my life so that I would be liberated. I want to see the same for others. Paul says, uh, I want you to continue in what you've become convinced of. Because what you've become convinced of. You know, some of my favorite stories at Faith Chapel are when we hear about the children in the back praying for other children and them receiving healing. Do you know how many times that they've paused in the back in a moment of worship and our leaders have said, what's the Lord showing you right now? And our, our children are jotting down, they're, sometimes they're coloring, sometimes they're jotting down what God is showing them. That is important for their now and it is also important for their future. Jeremiah Silverstein not too long ago drew, drew a picture of a television. Pastor Kerry was leading them and said, draw whatever the Lord's showing you. And Jeremiah drew a picture of a television with graven images on it. She said, what is that? And he said, this is what my dad watches at home. No, that, no, no. All of that was a joke. The television part was sincere. And she said, Jeremiah, why, why, did, why did you draw a picture of a television? Because there wasn't anything in the screen. And he said, because the Lord said he's going to show me what he wants me to see. Not only did he get an image of what he was seeing, he received an image of what he was seeing that was encouraging him that he's going to see more. The Lord showed me he's going to show me more. You know what? That's powerful right now. But it's also going to be powerful when he's 20. It's going to be powerful when he's 45. It's going to be powerful when he's 70 and he's got grandkids running around everywhere. It's going to be powerful. 
we need to train our children not because they're young. We train them because they're not always going to be young. And they're going to make the influence and the difference. And Paul said, I want you to go in what you've had from infancy. What do we know about Timothy? We know he had a godly grandma and a godly mom. He said, I, at the beginning of 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says, uh, I miss you, I'm thinking about you. I want you to continue in your sincere faith, which you learned from your grandmother Lois and your mother, what was her name? Eunice. From your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. In other words, he said, you've had these things passed into your life, continue in that. Continue in that. Young people, we, we pour this into your life. Your parents are pouring this into your life. The, the way of Jesus is the right way. There's not another way. The way of the Spirit is the right way. Holding on to the Scriptures in a world that thinks the Bible's out of date and invalidated, it is the right way. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's Word will never pass away. Come on, if I was at a conference, they would have really got into that. I, it's, it's all right. It's okay. Okay, okay. All right. He said, you've known the, known the Holy scripture, Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says, all Scriptures, unique language. It's God-breathed. It's God-breathed. I noticed my breath this morning between services because I've had several espressos today. And John Camarata, where's, there he is, John Camarata. It almost sounds like you're getting filled with the Holy Spirit when you say his last name, Right? Obadiah Camarada, Lord. You know what I mean? Anyway, John came up and he said, hey, Pastor Brad, I'm like, John Camarada. And when I said it, the, my own coffee breath hit me. And I'm like, that is really, really rough. And John went, it's not that bad. It's okay. Everything's fine. Here's a breath mint, okay? Um, it, it, it's nasty when you have coffee breath. As much as I love coffee, the coffee breath is not a good thing. And it will just come out if you've had way too much of it. What does that have to do with anything? Have you actually ever thought of the scriptures as the breath? Not bad breath. But good. Have you thought of them as the breath of God? How many of you have ever went through a season you're like, I just need to hear from God. I just need to hear from God. And the Holy Spirit's not speaking to me right now. Or he's not showing me something right now. I think there are times that he's saying... Son, daughter, I've put that in my word for you already. Let my Holy Spirit lead you there and discover the answer that I've already given you. It, it's not because he's punishing us. It's actually because he wants us to draw closer to him. He wants us to know him more. When I think of the breath of God, I think of, of God breathing into Adam and he goes from being this mud man to being a living being. And then I think of Jesus breathing into his disciples. But I also think of literally the scriptures that have been given to me. All scripture is God-breathed. And it's useful for all of this. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Think about it. We'll go to it. The scriptures help us to know the right things, practice the right things, and to equip others in the right things. 
It's one of the reasons that even while we're having a study for our men on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we lead into that by talking about the scriptures of God on a Sunday morning. Because I want to operate in the freedom of the gifts of the Spirit, but I'm going to learn how to do that as I delve into the scriptures that talk about them. I've got to have both. I've got to spend time there. So why do I make the decisions that I make as a dad about parenting, about praying, the counsel that I give? Why do I make the decisions that I do as a leader when it comes to trying to help give spiritual direction and climate to a congregation? Hopefully, it's because His Spirit's in me, and hopefully, it's because I'm trying to align myself with what His Word is saying to be true. Doesn't God's Word say of itself, let God be true and every man a what? Liar. Notice it didn't say every woman a liar. Because ladies, how many know all men are liars? That need saved and delivered and freed, right? Let God be true and every man a liar. I, I want to stand firm on His Word no matter what. Um, I'm going to mention this. We live in a first world nation. So there are some people in the world that wouldn't even imagine us grabbing our phones popping them open, going to the Bible app, and scrolling through a bazillion translations. They can't even comprehend that. Hopping on the, on the interwebs, thanks to Al Gore. Hopping on the interwebs and going to blueletterbible.com and looking up your Greek concordance for a word or going to biblegateway.com. They can't even imagine that. Let me, let me share something with you. The availability of the Scriptures to us magnifies our responsibility to the Scriptures. To whom much has been given, much is required. I mean, we even have in our nation, uh, the Hobby Lobby family funded the Bible Museum in Washington, D.C. that is amazing to continue to show how we need to focus on the Word of God for our nation and for our world. Ladies and gentlemen, what if the interwebs shut everything off and we didn't have it anymore? What if things were frozen on Google and you couldn't, you couldn't find it or access it anymore? Man, we've got to hide the Word of God in our heart that we might not sin against Him. And we don't do that by just throwing an amen out at youth service or an amen out at a conference or an amen out on a Sunday morning. We do that by diving into the Word of God. The Word of God is the love letter from God to His people. It's His instructions for His people. It is what you need. How many of you have ever left the house and left instructions of things that needed to be taken care of while you were gone? Times when Beth and I have traveled together and when the girls were younger and somebody would stay with them. Here's the things you need to know. Man, that's crucial information. We didn't write it because it was unimportant. We wrote it because it was needed. It was desperately needed. You need to know this about our kids. You need to know this about the schedule. This is important stuff. Guys, if, if I said, hey, I've got three pages the Lord gave me for you. He gave, he gave it to me for you. I'm, I photocopied them. I want everybody to take it this week. Read into it. Dig into it. This is God's word. I mean, wouldn't you love to have a word from God? And we do. What if I said as your pastor, you know what? I feel like the Lord's wanting us to read 2 Timothy over and over again this week. God's speaking something to me. We need to read 2 Timothy over, read it, spend time in it. He's going to speak to you individually. He's going to speak to your family. And he's going to speak to our spiritual house collectively. We need to read 2 Timothy this week. 
We need to spend time in there. Pastor Brad, I don't have time to read 2 Timothy. It's 88 verses. It doesn't take all that long. Spend a few, time, spend a few minutes in there. Spend a couple hours in there this week. See what the Lord has for us. Uh, let me go to the, script, uh, the scriptural warnings, John. I'm going to drop down and just go to that. Scriptural warnings is this. Number one, uh, this one I'll do quickly because I've already talked about it. Evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I wish I could tell you that everybody that comes into the house of God has your uh, best intentions at heart. That every ministry has your best intentions at heart. I cannot tell you that. Um, I, in my opinion, I think sometimes people are strategically about having wrong intentions. My whole life I heard about preaching the gospel. I never heard about preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Of the kingdom. Three crucial words that goes with the preaching of the gospel. I'm glad that the Lord opened our eyes and we went, wow, <laughs> it was the gospel of something. We need to spend more time discovering and learning what that is. I, we need to be deliberate about that, okay? I think there are times that people intentionally avoid verses that they're not comfortable with. I, I've heard of wonderful people that love Jesus that say, well, yeah, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We just don't allow his gifts in our local church. I, who was that? That was great. That was, uh, I, now I love spontaneous cackles. and ah, is, I, I love that. And um, Johnny, you might want to wipe the back of your head, sweetheart, because anyway... I love that. I, I love the Holy Spirit and we need His gifts. And we need His direction. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be in Assembly of God Church because Lord knows we need more of the Holy Spirit in the Assembly of God Church. I'm not talking about the names right now. I'm just, we all need the Holy Spirit here doing what He wants to do. The gifts validate the Scripture and the Scripture validates what He's doing through the gifts. Let's go to Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 through 5. I've taught on this before, so I'm just going to give a quick background. Jesus and his disciples are walking by the temple, and, the, and Jesus says to them, one of these days that's going to be destroyed. And they, they couldn't even comprehend it because it was huge. They're like, what, when's this going to happen? And as a matter of fact, their interpretation of when the temple ended, basically the age was over. Because everything took place at the temple. They almost believed, any Stargate fans around here? Um, for our Stargate fans, I don't know if you noticed in our background during worship today, we had a big circle. Did you notice that on the screen? That was for our Stargate audience. Um, that is, that's the portal to go through to the other universes and galaxies, okay? So the, the Jews believed that the temple was their Stargate, for lack of a better word. It's where heaven and earth met. And it, it was there that there, you have the joining of heaven and earth, and it's right in this location. So when Jesus said, one of these days that temple's going down, the response was, well, give us the signs of the end of the age. I mean, if the temple's going down, it's over, right? And Jesus starts giving them some instruction. Four times in that chapter, he says, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive what? Many. He even goes on to say in that chapter, he goes, if the time wasn't cut short, even the elect would have been lost. The power of deception was so strong that even those that knew better would be deceived. 
How many of you have ever had a friend or family member, somebody you love, they are going through a time, they are making a decision by complete deception and they don't see it? I mean, when I'm tempted, eventually I can recognize it. Man, I'm being tempted to do that. Sometimes when people accuse me and the enemy's using accusations against me, there are times it takes me a little longer, but I'm like, that's an accusation. I can recognize accusation. I can recognize temptation. The problem with deception is I'm in it. And when I'm in it, I need the Spirit of the Lord to help me. When I'm in it, I need my brothers and sisters to help me and to call. And you've all been there. Somebody that you love, you're like, they do not see the truth. Man, we intercede. God, open their eyes to the truth. Holy Spirit, give them revelation of the truth. Break the power of the liar, the father of lies. Break that power so that their eyes can be opened up, God. They need the truth. Jesus said there would be people that would even claim to be the Messiah, and others would follow them. Man, it's happened time and time again, over and over again. We need to be a people of truth. Here's the challenge. The spirit of truth and the word of truth will protect us from the deceptions around us. The spirit of truth and the word of truth will protect us from the deceptions around us. Um, how do you know that, uh, that the Supreme Court needs another person to step into a role on the bench? Is anybody familiar with this? And the, the gentle and pleasant conversation taking place in our nation regarding this. Is everybody familiar with that? <clears throat> um, if it First of all, let me say, it's perfectly appropriate for pastors to give commentary from a platform about these things. It's perfectly ap appropriate. Um, there's historical record that as our nation was growing, that uh, Congress brought in a local pastor in D.C. to ask his opinion about the biblical validity of taking a railroad from coast to coast. Can you even imagine? They're getting ready to start a railroad, and they bring in a pastor and said, what does God's word, what would God's word say about this? Because they wanted to make sure that they were handling it right at the time. Can you even imagine? Wouldn't it be amazing if political leaders called us to get a spiritual leader's perspective on something? And wouldn't it be amazing if the spiritual leader actually had a spiritual perspective? Wow, I just indicted myself there, didn't I? All right. Thankfully, I'm just a guest speaker today, so I won't even worry about it. I'm not going to go into, is she right? Did he? Did he not? That's not where I'm going. I just want to bring something up. I just want all of us to think about. Did you know God gave the principles and the execution of how to handle these types of moments in his word. There was never a time in the scripture that if one person brought an accusation against another person, that the accusation was heard. And there, the reason was because anybody can accuse anybody. And we live in the day and age now where accusation carries more weight than somebody's lifestyle of integrity. We just, we live there. Now, before you say, oh, Pastor Brad, you're Republican and you're just defending Kavanaugh, just hear me out for just a second. Let's say Pastor Josh and I were working together and um, we, we've decided that we want to be farmers of jelly tots. 
because um, we love jelly tots, and you need to go to Ireland to have them sometime. Um, and we're, we're far, you grow jelly tots naturally, and we're working this beautiful field, but the field goes over to the edge of a cliff. And he and I were both planting our jelly tot seeds, hoping for a jelly tot harvest. And we're so focused on what we're doing that Pastor Josh walks right off the edge of the, of the cliff and he, he kills himself. And Haley is bitter and angry. Anyway. <laughs> but especially now. I mean, brave mama, right, we get it. And she, she was the last one to see us walk out into the field. And she knows that I've been, I've been aggravated with Pastor Josh because he had been stealing a lot of the extra jelly tots that we had anyway. And she concludes, you know what? They got too close to that cliff and PB bumped him. I, 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 I knew it. I've all, I, for the last 10 years, it's been a plan. And so she brings it to the city elders. And um, by the way, at the time, uh, they would... If the, the elders sat at the city gate. What a great place. And people would come in and they would present their cases and they would deal with it right then. And Haley comes in and she says, my husband and, and Brad were working in a field. I know there's been some tension with them later. He's come back and said that, um, that Josh fell, that he fell off, the, but I know he didn't. I know that Pastor Brad pushed him. I ha well, where's your proof? Even if she would say that she saw it, they wouldn't accept it because it was only by one person. Now, if Haley and Beth and Kim Anderson were all together and they saw me push Josh off the cliff, completely different story. Three people or two to three people can come forward and say this is what... You see who it protects? It, what's, and Beth, she would. She would stand up for you, Josh. I have no doubt with that whatsoever. Um, you know who it protects? It protects the accused, but it also protects the accuser. Because it's not about whether the accusation's right or wrong. It's about justice of the Lord being brought into the situation. And the Lord wants justice, so the Lord says... If one person accuses, that's not going to bring justice because one person, we, it, it can condemn one and it, would, it could validate a lie of someone else and it could, be, it could be wrong on both sides. We can't accept the testimony of one. There has to be two or three. How many know that our nation has no clue about that verse? That you have to have two or three witnesses. There's, there are times, how many of you have done it in life where somebody's come to you and they've told you something and you said, did anybody else see it? Was any, were your brothers in the room? Was your sister there? Who else can validate the story? It's not because you're saying that the person that told you the story is lying. It's because you have to find the truth because it's the truth that ultimately gives all of us freedom. So I'm not going to comment of whether I think it happened or it didn't happen. To me, that point's irrelevant. Scripturally, God's Word says that when we have accusations against anyone, we have to have a minimum of two, but we prefer three people to be in agreement. Now, if we operated by that, it could save a lot of us a lot of division. Sorry, did I go there? If we don't know the scriptures, we can be thrown around by the wind just like everybody else is. 
We'll allow our feelings, our emotions, but we have got to hold to the validity of the Scripture. Let me go to one more thing for today, and then I'm done. I'm going to skip down to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Okay, John, I'm going to skip several things. The first service obviously needed it more than you guys did. So they got all of it, but you, you guys are stronger. You understand that. You're stronger, so we can walk by it. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. I would agree with that because I know that there were times that my mom and dad's patience literally was my salvation. If they would not have been patient, they would have destroyed me. Anybody else, can you testify that patience means salvation? <laughs> like, thank you that you were patient with me. Um, just as our dear brother Paul, this is so interesting. At the end of this letter, the apostle Simon Peter is referring to another apostle. And he says, our dear brother uh, Paul also wrote, with, uh, wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all of his letters. It doesn't mean he's doing a carbon copy. It means that he writes with wisdom in all of his letters. Speaking in them of these matters. Look at this. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. I would agree there's times you read something in this God's word, you just don't understand it. It's okay. I'm thankful that his spirit's in me to give me understanding. I'm thankful that I can turn to other people to talk about it together. That's why moments of teaching are wonderful, but also moments where a few of us sit together and just talk it through are wonderful as well because there is wisdom in what? The multitude of counsel. So there are some things that Paul wrote that are difficult to understand. Peter goes on to say, he goes, that ignorant and unstable people distort. I could talk about one of them, but it's 1233, so I won't. There are several things that he taught that ignorant and unstable people distorted. But notice what he says here. It's interesting. He says, as they do the other scriptures. You see this, the hidden message there? What did Simon Peter just proclaim? That Apostle Paul was writing scripture. That's incredible. How many know that we don't tend to compliment our contemporaries? Especially, we, don't, we would not tend to say, hey, I recognize the anointing on his life is such that the letters that are being passed from Galatians to Ephesus to Philippi to Thessalonica to, to uh, Galatia, this entire, I recognize his letters are more than letters they're actual scriptures, and you would do well to hide those in your life just like you do the Torah and just like you do the prophets. That's an amazing moment in church history. Peter is saying, just like you need the Old Testament for your scriptures, these letters that Brother Paul is writing, they are, they're not just a prophetic word, they are a scriptural prophetic word. They carry an anointing from God, an infallible anointing from God. And I'll talk about that more next week, okay? Um, I think that's enough. I think I can stop. We live in a culture that is so feelings-oriented that if we are not careful, our feelings will lead us right off that cliff. We need to make sure that we are hiding His Word in our heart so that we do not sin against Him. 
that we are studying to show ourselves approved, that we believe in the, the, the sword of the Spirit as much as we do in the Holy Spirit. We've got to take all of this together. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. I feel like I'm at the point that I'll just start rambling because I, there's more that I want to share. Would you put Acts 17 up, John? And then we're going to go. Acts 17 says this. Hey, let me ask you the question. Have you ever driven by a church and it was called like Berea Church or Berea Assembly or Berean Community Church? You're like, what on earth does that mean? The Berean Jews were those that says they have more noble character than the, the Jews of Thessalonica. How come? Because they received the message with eagerness and they examined the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. I want to be eager to receive the message, but I want to examine the scriptures to see if that message is validated. That's where Berea Assembly and Berea Church gets its name. The, the founding fathers of those fellowships were saying, we want to make sure that we're willing to dig into the scriptures. And I say at Faith Chapel, more Holy Spirit and more spirit of truth, more gifts and more word of God. We want it all so that we be those, pe we be, we be those people he called us to be. Amen. God, I pray you'll give us a passion for your word. Give us a passion for your spirit. Give us a passion for your truth. I ask that we would be the kind of people that when a word is given to us that doesn't line up with your word, we would be quick to throw it to the side. Quick to throw it to the side. I pray that we would be the kind of people with character and discipline that we don't just hope that you'll speak, but we'll take the time to read and dig into what you have already spoken. And I pray, God, that you'll give us not only a love for your spirit, but give us a love for your scripture. And now, church, may God bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.